Hey guys, welcome to the view from the front. My name is Stan. This is the January 18th edition. Hope everyone's doing amazing. Hope you didn't get too snowed in this week. We got about eight inches here in Knoxville. So depending on where you are here, some, please, some people got a lot more and some people even north of us got a little less. So I'm not sure, but at any rate, hope you're doing well. Uh, we got a lot to cover in tonight's episode and I can't wait to get into it. Uh, first, a little bit about me, if this is your first time and that you ever stumbled across the show. I am a military vet. I spent four years in the Marine Corps, all of that time in the infantry. And uh, after my enlistment, I went to college, became a journalist, and spent more than 10 years in the news business. Besides all that, I've written 12 books, and I put this podcast out each week. Uh, those books include a military thriller, or military thrillers police detective novels, and books about war, such as World War II and Afghanistan. And thanks to all of your guys' help, I've been fortunate to have sold quite a few copies of those. So thanks for that. Um, so what do I do here every week? So every week I do primarily three things. I cover hot spots happening around the world. I try to help unite the country and make you feel better about the country's future, make you a little bit more optimistic about where things are headed. And then I share some motivation and inspiration at the end of each show because we all need that. So in all honesty, I feel like if you've listened to just even one full episode, if it doesn't affect you, then if you aren't you know, a little bit more positive about the country by the time it's over, about the country's future, about your own mental and emotional fortitude, then I feel like I fell, have fallen a little short of what my goal is. So those are what I try to do every single uh, episode and um, so if, if it's your first time joining I uh, hope you really enjoy it and we're gonna get right in to the news and there was a lot 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 of news this week so we're gonna begin with what's happening in the Middle East the timing on this is a little bad as far as from a news standpoint uh, most of this stuff happened right after the last podcast so some of it's just a tad dated. So as such, I'm going to rush through it pretty fast because I think a lot of you have heard it, but maybe not quite to the same level of detail that I hope I can share. The uh, If you're able to click the episode notes, I've put a map in the Substack notes or the episode notes so that you can see the area I'm about to discuss, which is the Red Sea and Yemen and the Gulf of Aden. But... I've got a link there from CNN. They created this map, which is actually helps show the situation pretty well. And it shows where the Houthis control parts of Yemen, which has, of course, been beset by civil war for almost like 10 years. But since the last episode, the United States, as well as some other countries, took part in airstrikes to attack some of these Houthi rebels who've been firing missiles at ships, which of course we've talked about for weeks and weeks. And I've said, at some point, these guys are going to get hit. Well, they got hit shortly after the last episode. Interesting thing about that is that it wasn't just the U.S. It was the U.S. and the United Kingdom took part. They had non-operational support from several other countries, including Australia, Bahrain, Canada, and the Netherlands. So it's interesting that they wanted to make sure it was a sort of broad coalition type mantle, that it wasn't just the U.S. attacking this Iran-backed group. Some of the targets included command and control, what the military calls nodes, 
or like little headquarters uh, locations, munitions, depots, launching systems, production facilities, air defense radar systems. And so they had quite a few targets and they hit it. And then since then, the Houthis fired again. And so we've actually had two more sets of strikes since then. Like I said, a lot has happened in the past week. I've got all of that, lots of links to several different stories there in the Substack notes if you want to get a little bit more into it. But I'm betting most of you have already heard about this or read about it some. So I wasn't going to spend a whole lot of time in or on this topic. I did want to get into the why a bit, which is what what is... What are the Houthis in Yemen gaining by these strikes against commercial shipping in the Red Sea? And I did find an article on that on some of the research that I looked up. And one of the things that I found, let me find that in the notes real quick. Okay, appreciate your patience while I look that up. But So the Houthis are one of several Iranian-backed groups that have been raising their head and causing some issues following the attacks on October 7th against Israel. So the Houthis are very uh, pro-Hamas. They are very pro for the Palestinian people. And they've done the most aggressive actions since those attacks happened and since Israel has begun responding and has invaded large parts of Gaza. So the article, and I've got a short a link to it. But what I just wanted to briefly mention, the main thing the Houthis are gaining from this is they want to appear to be the boldest regional partner that's willing to confront the international coalition as well as the West, as well as IE, the United States. They view all of those countries, and especially us, as in favor of Israel, and they feel like we don't care what the people of Gaza are going through. And so they're doing this to generate support for them internationally as well as internally inside Yemen because a lot of the people who live in Yemen are obviously pro-Gaza. So they're doing this even though I think they know, they have to know, that they can't possibly compete from a military standpoint with the United States. And they have to know we're going to bring, as we've probably already brought, a lot of pain. And we're going to probably bring more if they keep it up. But I think they're willing to take some of that pain just to show that they're willing to stand up against the big bad West. So that's what they're going for. Since those attacks have happened, one other thing that's occurred is that the Houthis have been designated as global terrorists by Biden. Now this will potentially be a short-term thing if the Houthis were to let up on their attacks because this designation does affect some of the humanitarian aid that is going into Yemen. So I've got a link to that as well if you want to read up on that just a bit. So we're kind of giving them a carrot and a stick. We Apparently the State Department said that if they were to reduce their attacks, we could potentially stop this even as short as 30 days. But again, it's a carrot and stick, so they, they it's the ball is pretty much in their court. Now, I do have a little bit of sad news that involves, I guess, a a part of that larger mission against the Houthis, which is that one of the things the United States has been doing is interdicting shipping in the area that is potentially carrying weapons to resupply the Houthis. So Iran is sending weapons on ships through 
the uh, Gulf of Aden toward and, and from, up from Somalia as well, but toward the Houthis in the western part of Yemen. And so the U.S. has been searching some of these ships. Some of them are on under false flags. Some of them aren't reporting what they're carrying. So any ships that appear suspicious, we've been doing what the Navy does often, which is they will come alongside and board these ships. And it can be as simple as literally a, a destroyer getting near and boarding with small boats, or it can be something as complex as the Navy launching helicopters and Navy SEALs fast roping down and being far more aggressive to basically board a ship against potential hostiles so that they can search it. Unfortunately, in one of those missions since the past week, some Navy SEALs went to board a ship, which they did successfully board, but it was very bad weather, which is often the case. Sometimes they have to do this even at night, but the weather was horrible. And this actually happened in the Arabian Sea. And unfortunately, in those rough seas, one of the, the seals slipped from a boarding ladder. And when his swim buddy saw that, it's standard operating procedure for a Navy SEAL who sees their swim buddy fall back into the sea to jump as well so that you have two people who can share, you know, not that they would need the scuba gear in this instance, but that they can share whatever supplies they have, maintain, you know, cooperate together to make sure they survive. And unfortunately, they were swept to sea and they were not found. And so the pretty sure the search effort has been called off and it's a res or the rescue effort and it's just a search effort at this point for the bodies the navy hasn't announced the names so it's just obviously sad now navy seals know when they sign up it's a dangerous mission but it doesn't ever make it any easier and it just shows that the military is is a uh, it's a it's a very serious game obviously and these gentlemen knew what they were signing up for but it's still just terrible anytime we lose anyone in any kind of operation but it just goes to show that we so often take for granted the price of freedom and we forget that there are constantly these types of operations happening i know the longtime listeners have heard me talk about training operations and how even my unit lost a marine during regular training in okinawa back in 1999 we pretty regularly talk about helicopter crashes during training but Unfortunately, we did lose two more Navy SEALs this past week. And so that's, you know, keep their thought, keep their families and your thoughts and prayers because that, that is a sad story to have to, to share. Now, one final story about the U.S. military that I did want to share. This is also an update to last week's story about the Secretary of Defense being hospitalized, about there being some lack of communication, not letting President Biden know, possibly some chain of command issues where perhaps this, the, the Deputy Secretary of Defense didn't know she was out of the country. So there were some issues. Since the past, I went in depth last week, so I'm not going to go in depth, but since that reporting of last week, the Inspector General has launched an investigation. And so they're going to look fully into it. They're going to check to make sure that all the procedures in place 
are sufficient, and they're going to see if they can't find ways to make them better. The Department of Defense said that they would cooperate fully with the Inspector General. They also did update a bit about what happened before. A lot of people were basically going off speculation, and the news about the prostate cancer had been public, but essentially what happened is there was a minor surgery, and then the Secretary of Defense returns home, and then later... A couple days later, there were complications, including nausea, abdominal, hip, and leg pain. So it was probably some type of infection or something. And then at that point, he was admitted at Walter Reed. And he actually still remains there. So I certainly wish him good luck and a speedy recovery as he deals with, you know, certainly complications are never good. So I'm not going to speculate on any of that stuff. But One thing that the Department of Defense did want to make clear is that, according to the Department of Defense, at no time was there a gap in command and control for the Department of Defense. And they said that the national security was in good hands, and either the secretary or the deputy defense secretary were at the helm the entire time. So that's what they're saying. Now, the inspector general reports, if you're not very familiar with those, those are very, very thorough. And so... I am certain that it might take them a couple of months or longer, but we will at some point hear the full story and it'll be several hundred pages and it will really get into who knew what, when and where, all of that. So that's that's the news there. I did want to do just a short update on that for you guys. All right, so we're going to move from that story to the Middle East proper. And I just want to mention one story from there. And just kind of put out a little bit of a warning, which is something that's been talked about a lot the past 10 years or so. But it it just goes to show that it can even happen to someone who's more experienced. And that is the dangers of social media. So a few days ago, right about the time I was going to bed, the social media started coming alive. At least for the analysts who like to keep up with defense news and folks like me started showing video of some type of a ballistic missile attack in the northern part of Iraq in the Kurdistan region. And at the time, it was speculated that a U.S. base was hit. And you can see as the time passes, an hour, two hours, there's more and more video that starts popping up, more and more people talking about it. Then eventually you can actually see the missiles going in. And of course, Iran has hit U.S. bases in the past, in fact, going back to when President Trump was in office. And so I went to bed, you know, worried about how bad the attack was, how many people were hurt, how would the U.S. escalate the situation or reply. And then the next day I didn't see much, and I'm like, man, was it that bad that they're literally not going to even discuss it? Well, since then... Turns out, and I've got the link to this in the Substack notes. It's a gift link. You can read the whole thing. You can go into the weeds on it if you wish. But Iran did fire two missiles. They are claiming they hit an Israeli spy site. Kind of an odd thing. but And they also claimed that they'd also attacked in Syria at the same time some parts of Islamic State or ISIS. So, according to Iran, the missiles were aimed at 
the espionage headquarters of Israel's Mossad, which is, of course, their intelligence agency that had been used to plan terrorist attacks against Iran. So Iran targets them. The Iraqi prime minister was obviously very angry. angry. They called it, he called it an act of aggression against Iraq and a setback to the historical relationship with Iran. He pledges to take all legal and diplomatic response measures. Of course, as a reminder, he was mad at the U.S. a week or so ago and then says off the record to some folks at the State Department, hey, we're not really planning on kicking out U.S. troops. I did discuss that. I think it was last week. But 2,500 troops are in Iraq and part of Syria that are U.S. troops. And my only point in sharing all of this is that the, the great thing about social media is if you really want to get into the weeds, you can see video evidence of various attacks. You can get some analysis where really well-informed people who often have sources, who've studied conflict for a long time, who are parts of brain, t- you know, think tanks in D.C. and other places, you can really find out some really unique stuff online. But at the same time... This was a good example of the downside to social media. You see something, it affects your peace, so to speak. It affects your ability to go to sleep. You're worried. You want to keep getting on your device to see if there's anything new. So you have to be careful with how much you ingest. None of this is new, but it happens to even the best of us. And so this was just one example of me kicking myself that I checked social media before you know, late in that late in the evening. And that's just the downside. You have to try to stay informed, but it really does affect your peace sometimes. Now we're gonna move from the Middle East to Ukraine. And I got quite a few stories, but I'm gonna keep them very brief. But I have links to all of them. But we're just gonna kind of move quickly through them. I know past few weeks I've talked about that the longer podcasts, I try to shorten them and I struggle. They're always too long, but this week, I've, for whatever reason, just decided I I am going to keep it shorter as a way to get the audience larger because the hour-plus podcasts are just too intimidating for most people to edge into. So let's move straight to Ukraine. One thing I wanted to share is some analysts are saying that because Ukrainian forces on the front lines are facing a shortage of shells, that increasingly Ukraine is moving toward a defensive strategy. That's obviously the right thing to do if you have limited ammunition. So that's one thing I wanted to share. But it's not all doom and gloom. Ukraine got some great funding news since the last episode from other countries in the world. Unfortunately, it obviously got no good news from the U.S. Nothing has happened in the U.S. yet. There continued to be talks about some type of an aid package to Ukraine. But let me just name some of the good things that did happen. Uh, The first thing is that Germany, which was already Europe's largest supporter of Ukraine, revealed plans that it's going to double its military aid to Ukraine in 2024. So they're going to go from $4 billion to $8 billion, which is obviously huge. Any country that doubles is a It's just, you know, that's great news for Ukraine. Now, of course, Germany's been a little slow to support Ukraine. They 
it kind of infamously did the sent 5,000 protective helmets just weeks before Moscow or, or Russia invaded last year. So they've slowly but surely been coming around. So again, the, sh- the short of it is Ukraine, or uh, apologies, Germany's doubling its budget for Ukraine from $4 billion to $8 billion. Also, since the last episode, Britain has pledged over $3 billion for military aid in 2024. So they're keeping a, a lot of strong support. And then also, similarly, France has announced it's going to send approximately 40 additional cruise missiles to Ukraine. These are long-range weapons, very accurate. And they're the kind of thing that has to have Russia worried because Ukraine has gotten similar type missiles in the past, but and they've done incredible work with them. But there have not been enough to hit the kind of targets that Ukraine wants. So France has agreed to send 40 or so more, as well as hundreds of bombs in the coming weeks. That was the French president announced that on Tuesday during a press conference. So that's great news as well. Got a link to that if you want to read, get into the weeds on what they're sending. Also wanted to report another story that there's increasing news about sabotage happening inside Russia. Now, I think it was two or three weeks ago that I went a bit in the weeds about some of the attacks on trains that were happening inside Russia to try to slow down and delay and impede some of the supplies coming from Russia to the troops inside Russian-occupied Ukraine. So Ukraine was trying to slow down that supply train, that logistical pipeline from several different areas. As I talked about then, much of the supplies from Russia, the vast majority actually come from rail. It's not by sea. Obviously, Russia barely has a fleet in the Black Sea anymore. It's not by air. It's by rail. So Ukraine has been increasingly targeting it. I talked about that some, if you want to catch it in a previous episode. But since last Thursday, an article came out that Ukraine's military agency said that besides the much larger attacks, which is what I had discussed, where they blew up a a train inside the miles and miles inside a literally, literally a mountain trying to cave it in. There's also been a lot of smaller attacks. And so in three different provinces of Russia, either... Now, Ukraine's trying to half say that it wasn't their intelligence, that it was saboteurs inside Russia, like Russia partisans who are against the war. It's either that. It could be that. It could be Ukraine intelligence. Either way. They're doing smaller attacks on what they're calling relay cabinets on the railway, which are they're small the little relay boxes help control where trains go, they control the traffic on it, the timing of the trains, etc. And so when you stop when you blow or attack up these small relay stations, according to Ukrainian intelligence, it's paralyzing Russian train traffic. So that's great news for Ukraine as well as they continue. And the main point I made a few weeks ago is that Russia has thousands and thousands of miles of train tracks that are almost impossible to defend. 
And so this is a no, another smaller element that Ukraine can target, besides even just ripping up tracks or putting some type of explosives on it. They can attack these smaller little stations, these traffic control components. Now, let's move to a couple of other quick stories about equipment and money to Ukraine. The first one is that Latvia is trying to create a coalition to send thousands of drones to Ukraine to help them fight the Russians. So that's a big deal. Drones are obviously a huge part of the new wave that warfare happens. And so that's a good story. You can find the link to that if you want to read a bit on that. The other thing is that we've talked a fair amount about how Hungary has been really kneecapping the European Union and the West in Europe on its abilities to aid Ukraine because Hungary will often threaten to veto or they will veto certain actions that the European Union wants to make or wants to do or conduct. But interestingly, since the last week, the European Parliament is about to vote on a resolution to strip Hungary of its voting rights. So that could be potentially huge news for Ukraine because Hungary has really done a good job of just slowing things down, causing all kinds of issues. So kudos to the EU for even thinking about doing that. Now, two other quick little stories that you can, I just almost want to tease these so that you can go look at them yourself. The first one is that the United States sent some Humvee anti-drone systems to Ukraine. And these have never been used, to my knowledge, I guess, in combat other than in Ukraine. But there's some video that they they appear to be working really well. So that's great news for U.S. forces. You can look at that video. I've got a link to it in the Substack notes. The other story I wanted to share was that the uh, Newsweek put out an article that U.S. Bradleys are just killing it on the Ukrainian front lines. They are doing amazing. Now, again, we sent technology that's almost 50 years old. These were older Bradley fighting vehicles. They're not even our top-of-the-line ones. But they are doing an amazing job. So there's a link to the article that you can see. But I've been watching on social media lately that I even saw a video the other day where one was going head-to-head against a, a... a Russian battle tank, a T-90, the best thing the Russians have. And the Ukrainian one, they were way too close. It probably didn't realize that the two were in the area because normally two tanks would never get this close. So it wasn't like the Bradley launched a tow anti-tank guided missile from outside tank range, which is the ideal way for this to happen. But instead, these two tanks, although technically the Bradley's not a tank, but it looks like a tank. This light armored Bradley fighting vehicle is fighting an, a, T, a, a, 90, a T-90 tank, Russian tank, close range. And they're shooting at each other, and the Bradley wins. And now, one of the things that the Ukrainian crews have is that these Russian tank crews aren't very well trained. And so the Ukrainian is moving, the Ukrainian fighting vehicle, the Bradley, is moving left to right as the Russians tried to target it. And the Russian vehicle's kind of going forward and backward a bit, which is not what you'd want to do. You'd want to move left or right. It's harder to hit something moving left or right. And it's just lighting up this main battle tank of the Russians. 
with the uh, 30 millimeter cannon on top. So it was probably messing with the the T90, the uh, siding systems. I'm not sure that those they technically cannot penetrate Russian armor, so they shouldn't be able to. But then again, Russian armor is not as good as it used to be, so I'm not sure if that's the case. The crew probably isn't very well trained. But the Bradleys just lighten it up, moving around some, and then Ukrainian drones go in and finish off the main battle tank of the Russians. But there is an article if you want to read the kind of the details of how well these Bradleys are doing, and it just reinforces what we talked about. This goes all the way back to last year when I quoted even General Mark Hurtling about how good the Bradleys are, and I went really into the weeds about their thermal sights, the range that they have with their tow missiles, and how some analysts were saying, hey, this thing might even be better than main, main battle tanks. They're lighter to get there. They'll do better in the terrain over there. Clearly, a lot of that has proven true. They're really holding their own. So I've got the link to that story if you want to take a look at it. And I will put a link... Uh, I don't have the link, but I'm going to find it just because I talked about that battle scene. I'm going to put a link in as well where you can watch the Bradley fighting against the main battle tank of the Russians, the best one they have, their T-90. So kind of a big, big deal. So I'll, I'll search for that link once I pause the video here in a second. It'll be in the Substack notes, and then there's also that article. All right, so we got one more sto news story about China that I want to get into, and then we'll get into the motivation and inspiration section, which is kind of the best part of the show, probably. Before I do that, I do want to remind you, if you want to support the show, if you enjoy what you're listening to or watching, if you're on YouTube, you can do so for $5 per month at my Substack page, or you can do it on Patreon, and that'd be a great way to support the show, help me grow it into something a little bit better. Just like almost every one of you out there, I work a day job, so this is kind of the long-term dream. But that'd be a great way to support if you're getting something out of it and enjoying what you're watching. So let's get to that last story. This involves China. We talk about China almost every week. I had mentioned a week or two ago that I wasn't going to get into the weeds about the election in Taiwan, the island south of China, which obviously China's been threatening and trying to get to unify with mainland China, which is a far-fetched dream that, for whatever reason, the people in China hold on to. They think they can get this island of, what is it, 40-something million people to become a part of China. So they had an election. I didn't get into the weeds beforehand, because I wasn't real sure how it was going to go. A lot of analysts thought that the party that wanted basically further distance from China, or I don't want to say Taiwan independence because they don't quite go so far as to say that. But a lot of folks thought that that party would win. China was hoping this other party would win, but the party that wanted long-term more distance from China and eventual independence did win. So this means that, according to some analysts in the and I've got a gift link to the Washington Post, but the victory means that the president of China, Xi Jinping, has lost face and that his Taiwan policy has failed. And this is what an analyst was saying, that he now must do something to show his muscle. China called the election vote a dangerous choice, so of course it had to say something to try to intimidate and threaten its neighbor, which are supposedly its people. <laughs> I always find that kind of funny. 
But some analysts, so a couple of things could happen. Some analysts think that China will dial up efforts to intimidate Taiwan, doing coercive tactics like military harassment, economic pressure. But most people believe that China is not going to do anything that would lead to an actual conflict in the short term, or certainly no invasion, because China is happy that, for the moment at least, they have stabilized relations with Washington, which or with the U.S. So, of course, this goes back a year plus or so, where they flew a balloon over the United States. You know, things have been rough for a while, and we've covered on a pretty regular basis how things have kind of thawed and gotten a little better from that cold, cold, frozen point where our militaries are talking some now. Obviously, President Xi Jinping visited the U.S., so things have are definitely, at least a, in the public realm, better than they were. So we'll keep an eye on that. And again, as I often kind of half joke, hopefully this isn't just a public display of things looking better while militarily China prepares for some kind of move. But the reality is I don't think that's the case. We have so many military satellites, so many ways that communications are intercepted. It's just very hard to do serious surprise attacks these days. And even the one that happened in Israel by Hamas, Israel knew about that a year prior. They just didn't believe the intelligence. So I I, I think China is choosing the smarter path. There was a news story about a week ago where for the second year in a row, China's population had actually gone down and ta- and and China is also facing some pretty serious economic, uh, I guess, struggles or some pain points, you might say, in the in the coming months and years. Their economy's just not doing as well as it was. So I don't think the timing's right for China. So that's good news for the world. And again, as the West continues to build some of its alliances and get more countries involved in preparing and preventing China from making a very bad move. But biggest news, of course, Taiwan has yet again shown the world, much like Hong Kong has tried to, as China has really clamped its arms around Hong Kong. No no country who knows how China operates wants to come within China's influence because people get arrested on made-up charges, people disappear, very bad things happen, freedom very quickly disappears. And Taiwan obviously doesn't want to be a part of anything like that. No no country that has tasted freedom, that has tasted democracy, wants to give that up. So I think Taiwan made what everyone expected would be the decision made. We just hope that China doesn't overreact in the short term. All right, so this is the motivation and inspiration part of the show. The best part, I think. So I share these each week because I want to try to encourage you, try to get you up your game a little bit. All of us can use a little bit of encouragement, certainly me. And the way that we act, it affects those around us, our spouse, our kids, our friends, our coworkers. We can all infect these people with more energy, with more life, with more light. And so that's what I challenge people to do. I hope all of us can up your up our game, myself included. And so I'll just share these because we all get way too much negative 
stuff every single week. So here is the first one. Let your dreams be bigger than your fears and your actions be louder than your words. It's a good one to start off with. Again, let your dreams be bigger than your fears and your actions be louder than your words. Now, this is a dated one from probably 100 years or so ago, so it uses the word man, but don't let that offend you. But the quote is, For a man to achieve all that is demanded of him, he must regard himself as greater than he is. Again, for a man to achieve all that is demanded of him, he must regard himself as greater than he is. Just remind, It's just a reminder that it begins in the mind. If you don't see yourself as something more powerful, more stronger, more courageous than what you are, then you've you lost the battle before it even began. All right, here's the next one. The future depends on what you do today. It's a good one. The future depends on what you do today. The next one's kind of similar. Six months of focus and hard work can put you five years ahead in life. It's another good one. Six months of focus and hard work can put you five years ahead of life. Or in life. Next one's a quote from Vince Lombardi, which was, of course, the legendary Packers head coach, which kudos to the Packers for crushing Dallas this past week. But I'd love to say I planned this, but I didn't. All right, the quote is, Life's battles don't always go to the stronger or faster man, but sooner or later, the man who wins is the man who thinks he can so that's pretty similar to the quote I had earlier. Next one. Train your mind to be stronger than your feelings. Train your mind to be stronger than your feelings. That's one of the reasons I do these every week is everyone knows the importance of getting in shape, staying in shape, exercising, and strengthening your body. But I don't think enough people focus on strengthening your mind. And the mind controls the body. So it's kind of an important thing. All right, the next one. When you focus on the good, the good gets better. Again, when you focus on the good, the good gets better. Next one. Stay patient and trust your journey. Again, stay patient and trust your journey. We all want to give up too quickly, don't we? This one's kind of a wisdom quote. All endings are also beginnings. We just don't know it at the time. Again, all endings are also beginnings. We just don't know it at the time. It's a quote by Mitch Album, which has he's written several great books. One of them was uh, Tuesdays with Maury, which I read several years ago. I think I've read that book twice. It's a pretty good book. All right, next one. Don't talk, just act. Don't promise, just prove. It's a good one. One of those actions speak louder than words, right? Next one is trust your intuition. It never lies. All right, next one. Have this mindset. I am smart and capable. Anything I don't know, I can learn. It's a good one. Again, the mindset. Have the mindset of I am smart and capable. Anything I don't know, I can learn. The next one is hard work puts you where Good luck can find you. Again, hard work puts you where good luck can find you. It's not always luck, is it? All right, next one. Before you speak, think of the word think. 
and each of these letters is means something. So the T in think is, is it true? The H is, is it helpful? The I is, is it inspiring? The N is, is it necessary? The K is, is it kind? So before you speak, you should make sure it's true, it's helpful, it's inspiring, it's necessary, and it's kind. Pretty good advice. All right, this next one. Better to be tired than to be broke. That's a good one. All right. One final one before we get to the Bible. Always remember, fall asleep with a dream and wake up with a purpose. Again, fall asleep with a dream and wake up with a purpose. Now, this next one, I always like to share. Usually, I share three or four from the Bible just because it's been such a source of strength and wisdom and calm for me the past year. But this week, instead of a few different verses, I just want to read part of Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. The heading of it is Moral Benefits of Wisdom. So again, it's Proverbs chapter 2. Let me read this. If you will be patient, I think you will get something from it. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. It's pretty good, isn't it? For wisdom will enter your heart. Knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. All right, so thanks for being patient. So I always like to end with this one. Be the reason someone smiles. Be the reason someone feels loved and believes in the goodness of people. That's the goal, right? So regardless of your faith, be a decent human being. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's pretty simple advice. Pretty good things to aspire to. So thanks for joining us this week. Hope you're proud of our country. I know it's not perfect. But I hope you're proud of it. I know I am. As you go through the week, remember to not be divisive. We can all be the change that we're wanting for this country. I know we're greatly divided. If you see something on social media that upsets you, don't fly off at the handle. If you're talking to someone and they say something that upsets you politically, just let it go. A lot of people only see negative news 24-7. Some of them watch it two three hours a day. They all think the country's ending just be a wet blanket if you come across one of those people and ask them if there's anything you can do for them show them that the other side that they think is so bad is not so bad never forget most americans are good and i want to finish with two quick things first i want to say something about my books 
And then I want to say something if you're struggling with, if you're emotionally down or dealing with PTSD, especially if you're a veteran, I always try to say just a short word about that. First, about my books, just a reminder, I've written 12 of them. They include military thrillers, crime mystery novels, and books about war, such as World War II in Afghanistan. I've been lucky enough to sell 70,000 copies. So if you're one of those who bought it or told someone about my books, thank you. That means the world to me. They're obviously self-published. There's no publisher pushing them. So the only reason I've sold anywhere near that level is because of you guys. So thank you if you are one of those. Second thing I always like to talk about is people who are struggling with negative thoughts, with PTSD, who are possibly even thinking about suicide. We know that veterans are 57% higher risk of suicide than people of the same age who never served. So I always want to speak to the veterans, but it's not just for veterans. It's also for others. I know everyone can get in a low spot in your life, but we can forget that it's it's a season. It's a valley. So if you're having serious issues, you can call 988-SELECT-1, and you don't even have to be a veteran to do that. Again, you can call 988-SELECT-1, or you can text 838-255, 838-255, and you can talk to a crisis line responder anytime, day or night, whether you're a veteran or a civilian. But I also know that's very hard to do. I know most of you probably won't do that, so I do want to be just a little bit mean here. I've been encouraging during the motivation and inspiration part, but I do have to be a little mean, and I have to tell you that you cannot lose this fight. I always say, do not make your parents or your family have to plan your funeral. That is horrible to even contemplate, but I think a lot of us, when we get down, and I've been down, you get very short-sighted in your thinking, and I want you to think I don't want you to think short side. I want to. I want you to think more long term. And so you can't lose the fight. You can't give up. I don't want you to make your parents have to plan your funeral. It's horrible. I don't want you to make them feel guilty they didn't check on you or your friends feel guilty. Don't want you to leave wife or family or friends here. And I always tell tell people, you know, who who's going to take care of your parents in thirty years if you do this? And I say that because this is what I've dealt with. I tried to help care for my mom with her cancer fight last year and that was brutal and challenging and I'm trying to help care for my dad but you cannot be short-sighted you cannot lose the fight so again if you're having serious issues call 998 select one don't let the conv- devil convince you that you won't be missed that no one cares that no one can understand what you're going through that's absolutely false if you have some kind of faith lean on it If you don't, you can reach out to God. I always try to mention that. I guarantee you God loves you more than you can possibly know. And you can easily find out more about Him through a Bible app. You can look up the Bible online. It's easy to find Bibles. They're easy to find. But you can't quit. And I've got in the Substack notes a link to... I actually put out a faith-based regular set of articles but i've got a link to the first one so if you're really struggling i think that actually might help you so i'll put that link in there again i'm not trying to throw too too much guilt but don't think short term don't lose this fight you cannot lose the fight if you're doing well i always try to mention reach out to someone who might be struggling the bible does talk about that in ecclesiastes that 
basically groups are stronger than individuals. And the verse says a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So just as the verse says, if you're doing well, reach out to someone. If you're struggling, think long term. There's something out there for you. You got to stop isolating yourself. You got to get involved. You can go to a veterans group like Veterans of the Foreign Wars, VFW. There's Marine groups out there. You can visit a church near you. Visit some family you've lost touch with. I recently reconnected with a high school friend from 20 years ago. You can do that. But you got to reach out for help if you're struggling. And I always try to read a couple of easy texts that you can send. You can send a text of someone and say, hey, this is really hard for me to say, but I'm having some painful thoughts and it might help to talk. Are you free? You send that to someone, I guarantee you they're going to make time for you. I don't care the time or day. You can send this text. I'm struggling right now and just need to talk to someone. Can we chat? Easy. You do that. I guarantee you they come running. I also want you to think about long term. I want you to think about if you don't have a family, Think about that family. There's someone out there looking for you, but you're just really tied into short-term thinking and it's negative and you got to get out of it. Again, you can reach out to God. You can turn on some loud music. You can reach out to a friend. You can call the Crisis Health Line, 988-SELECT-1, but you cannot give up. So if you're struggling, I hope you get through that. I hope you listen to me next week. Again, I think I've said enough. You can even reach out to me privately if you wish. Now, I always end every episode by telling people you can comment anytime. I try to keep an eye on those. But you can also reach out privately to me by email. The email is authorstanrmitchell at yahoo.com. Again, that's authorstanrmitchell at yahoo.com. If you love my moderate, optimistic view of politics, want to know more about how I see things, I've got a link on the episode notes to my political blog. You can check that out on a pretty regular basis. I write Lincoln-like, Lincoln being Abraham Lincoln, so Lincoln-like political thoughts that are full of kindness and hope. I truly do believe that most Americans are good and we need compromise, unity, and love, not mockery or extremes. But that website's called Political Thoughts from a Southern Gentleman. And again, you can find the link in the website or episode notes. Uh, hey, thanks for hanging with me. It's been an honor. It's I feel honored, honestly, every week that some of you guys watch watch me or listen to me. It means the world to me. And I appreciate that there are people out there who care as much about my country, our country, your country, as I do that you care about the military. It's a big deal. So I love you guys. Never forget that uh, God loves you more. And I will catch you next week. You have been listening to The View from the Front. My name is Stan, and I am out.